Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about the original classic Twilight Zone Season 1, Episode 30. Season shouldn't go to 30. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> See, season seasons of TV shows should be like the plot of Logan's Run. You get killed off at thirty, right? Yeah. If this was made today, it would be the season finale of season three <laughs> on cable. Yeah, that actually would be. Yeah, or if yeah. I, even the actual new Twilight Zone only ten episodes. You're right. Exactly. Oh, jeez. If it gets to season three. Uh, <laughs> quality quality should dictate shouldn't but it has been renewed for season two so we'll see how it goes but um yeah so uh, this is a stop at willoughby is the is the title is it just me or does willoughby sound really british um sounds australian okay i could see that yeah because it sounds like, like a, a wallaby like a wallaby yeah yeah i, I could see it well british and australian are very similar not so much scottish british but like english british like australians definitely a lot of the same slang is used in australia so there's a lot of words that kind of you know mm -hmm. like if you think british people and why are, is that and why is that oh because uh britain sent all their criminals to australia <laughs> at one point it was a whole thing <laughs> why did you guys send all the good looking people out there too i mean <laughs> <sighs> I just come on these shows with Tara now to be emasculated. That's all that happens on these shows. That's all that happens. You should have heard on the Ace Bader card the other night. It was just how good looking every man was, how sexy they all were. Hey, I'm a lonely lady. <laughs> anyway. This is what I can get. <laughs> so, uh, Stop a Willoughby um, is an episode... Uh, about a man which sounded very similar to walking distance uh when we heard when we read, read about it last week and we heard rod serling talk about it uh, it's a little bit different actually in practice actually watching the episode does it is a key difference and it's actually quite a dark episode where and i realized it started to feel dark to me even like halfway through the episode because i kind of got what this was like because obviously and walking distance or places like that you know whether or not it was real or not there was kind of a positive upbeat idea to it where it was like he needed us an escape for a day and it kind of reinvigorated him for life again right Whereas, because in this 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 episode where this Willoughby, this magical place that doesn't really exist when he falls asleep on the train, because I was surprised early on when he woke back up and it was like, oh, that was a place that he went to in his dream for like, you know, a minute and he came back. I was like, oh, that's, I didn't expect to see present day again till the end. I was surprised by that. And then it became clear as the episode went on that this story is basically about someone wanting to commit suicide. That's what this episode is. <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to ask me if I liked it? I was get Well, yeah, the premise is, is that he, he's, he's this businessman. He works at an ad agency. He's basically a really pathetic version of Don Draper. Although Don Draper's already kind of pathetic. He's just much better looking um, and successful. But he's still pathetic um, from the season and a half of Mad Men that I saw. Um, not for me. Never watched it. It's not for me. It was a bit dull for me. I wasn't into it. Um, but My mother loves it. But all, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, well, she was probably also like a teenager doing that when it was set. So. She's the type who, who sees it and thinks, "Oh, what a nice time to live!" And completely <laughs> this is the message of the there show. A, there was an episode of of Tomorrow, which is a time travel show, uh, where they go back to the fifties, and the old guy starts going about, "Oh, isn't this a great time? Everything's kind of nice and sweet and Americana, and you know, everything feels so innocent and vibrant." And then, like the woman who's sitting next to him, is like, who, who happens to be bisexual, turns and goes, "Yeah, if you're a straight white man," and he's like, "Okay, fair point." <laughs> so yes yes 50s and 60s not that idyllic uh for most of the population uh but for anybody other than the white man yeah yeah um and i'd like not to think that i'm shaming 
I'd like to think that if I was alive then, I'd have a lot of problems with society. I'd like to think that I'd be, as the kids would say, woke. Uh, maybe I wouldn't be. I'd, I'd like to think I would be, though. I'd like to think of myself as a fairly progressive individual. Yeah, look at you. You've almost given up dairy. <laughs> Pretty progressive. I'd like to think the not being racist or sexist or homophobic would be more important than giving up the dairy. Yes, but... of course. Everybody <laughs> knows that about you. Next is animals. <laughs> I'm working on it. Anyway, uh, so yes, the episode, man, businessman, 60s ad- advertising agency. Uh, he has a lot of pressure. His boss is a, is a hard ass with him. He was chomping on the cigar and he's yelling at him. He's like, ah, yeah, you'd be better than this. So cliche. Yeah. Um, but he takes a train home every night. And he falls asleep, and he he dreams that he's the train stops at a place called Willoughby, and the train you know goes from. It's just funny because last week we were talking about how we wouldn't have recognised if it was a sixties train or an eighteen eighties train, but in this episode, it actually showed me the difference. But the one mm-hmm. thing that stuck out to me about the sixties train is that the conductor still had to walk up and down the train shouting what the next stop was. They don't have like a like a a screen or <laughs> like uh, even just over the PA saying next stop is you know uh, right, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so still ancient by our standards, but yes, I noticed the difference. Um, so he dreams of a place called Willoughby, and noticed, and I, and I immediately noticed that his name was Williams, and the place was called Willoughby. It felt like okay, it's made just for you, like you know, you got a little bit in there. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, so, and then he, you know, he, he wakes up and he goes home to his wife, who's concerned about his performance at work, and he's going back and forth to work. You know, he dreams of Willoughby again, and he makes the choice just before the ad break. Uh, that he next time he falls asleep he's going to he's going to get off the train and go to Willoughby because uh, it seems like such a nice place, and yeah, so that's the premise. I'll I'll leave. Uh, yeah, I've I've been describing the episode too long. Tara, what do you think of a stop at Willoughby? Um, yeah, this I think this might be my favorite one so far. <laughs> Whoa, bull claims. Yeah. It is. I mean, it has everything that I want from a Twilight Zone episode. And you're right, it does end super dark, which I kind of dig. And I like the way it was shot. I like the lead actor. I like the emotional journey. I like the uh, the layers that are in it after you find out the twist at the end. And I like the emotional journey. Tara just said she, she likes the story of someone being depressed and stressed until they kill themselves. <laughs> You're a better old woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evil. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I like. I mostly agree. I, I don't know if it's my favorite so far. I think it's maybe like... Yeah, you know, maybe top five or something like that. You know, that's a debate we'll have at the end of the season. But I think this one's really, really clean, really well done. Uh, I think the performance is one of the best ones we had. There is a, a a moment in it where he breaks down, and I kind of break down with him. It's good. It's really well done and well written. That was the moment. That was the moment for me when he has that little breakdown in the back half when he's he's got two phones at the same time, and the 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 secretary is also yelling at him that someone else wants to see him. Like, there was a moment there where I realized what this episode really is, is that it's about the pressure on him wanting to escape. And not just escape in a, a nice way. I started to get the, no, this is, this is about suicide. That said, I didn't actually think it was going to literally end with them revealing that he'd committed suicide. No, the twist got me. Yeah. Like, I thought this is what it represents. I thought, no, this is about suicide. Even if it doesn't show yeah. that or, like, confirm it, I this is it about suicide. I thought it was and then they just kind of hit you with it, like... Yeah, it's like, oh. no, he's actually dead. Okay. <laughs> um, again, much like some of these episodes, he should look a lot more mangled than he does at the end when he's jumped off the train. He looks like he's yeah, asleep. Yeah, that's okay. But, you know, the minor quibble. It's not a big deal. Sure. Um, all this time. But... No, I, I, I appreciate how dark it was. Um, I will say, this by far is the latest the ad break has ever been. I checked the time because I felt it was it felt late. I was like, why? We've not had the ad break yet. The ad break happened at the 17 minute mark, which out of 25 minutes is kind of insane. 
Uh, no, I don't know if I noticed it, but I noticed the absence of Serling in this one a lot. I know we get him for an opening and closing narration, but for some reason, Joe, like halfway I, through it, it, it didn't feel like a Twilight Zone episode anymore. I can explain it a little bit, actually. I think it's because going along with how late the ad break is, the opening, because sometimes a scene will play, because sometimes Serling starts talking right away at the start of the opening scene, and sometimes there'll be a little scene first, and then he'll come in and say, okay, this is so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. This does mm-hmm. that, but the scene before he comes in is easily the longest we've went until he starts talking, because the scene yeah, in the boardroom, the scene in the boardroom where he's getting yelled at, and then he goes to his office before Serling starts talking to him, it's like a good four or five minutes. It's like it's not just the, mm-hmm. the little intro scene you usually get. There's a whole story that takes place where they're waiting for this guy, this younger uh, ad exec that Williams recommended for this new account, this big account that was worth three million dollars per year, which in 1960 money is probably like you know 15 million now. <laughs> yeah. And like you know, there's a whole thing where they're waiting for him, and he's making excuses. He's trying to call him, and then there's a whole story that takes place where someone eventually comes and tells him that he's left for another company and he's taking the account with him, and then he gets yelled at because he recommended this younger guy. So there's a whole little like, story that takes place. There's a little arc of this of this mm-hmm. this guy who's meant to show up and then doesn't, and how it's the volume's fault that takes place before we even get Rod Serling, which is interesting. It's not good or bad. It's just interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it, it seemed I felt his distance from the episode though sure. like, i almost turned the episode off before he came back to tell us what was on next because <laughs> i forgot yeah <laughs> it was coming up so no i really that was a really interesting touch um i don't think it's completely perfect i do think uh the pacing in the first half i think i think it was basically the scene with the wife i thought dragged on a little bit long but it's not a big complaint it's just um look i i got the I point of the scene very quickly to the episode though oh, like she, her oh, she is. materialism she is. and her tell the backstory that we get about her basically grooming him into this person that he doesn't want to be mm. and she i mean she has no love for him anymore it, it it's almost like she was always just trying to make her life perfect so she had to create the perfect guy no she, she wants that. to be the rich housewife and she wants to make yeah, him be successful all. for that she, she when he reaches out to her for help she hangs up the phone yeah no because he tries to call her uh, at work and that's mm-hmm. actually right before the train ride where he commits suicide that's right before that's that's the last thing he does he tries to call her and says just stay at home so i can come and see and she hangs up and it's that 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 loss that 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 yeah. So no, I agree. She's she's essential. It's just a little bit of pacing. It's just you know could have been a bit tighter in, in that scene. But I mean it, again, it's a minor complaint. That's I didn't all. feel it. That's fair. That's fair. It's a minor complaint. Um, but like like I say, this episode is super dark and it is it is a very personal story about the pressure of this man who hates his job, hates the pressure that's put on him for something that he never really seemed to want in the first place. And I think it's it's pointing out it, not only the people around him but the pressures of society and kind of like because all the things that these other people want it's almost like yeah he's a cog in this machine and his wife is part of that machine it's like no she wants all these materialistic things so she wants her husband to be this and it's just like he's almost just a conduit for the things she wants is like like you know it's just yeah. a, it's a sort of marriage where you expect to ask oh why did you marry him it's like oh he was the sensible option not the the one i love not sure. the one that i was passionate well, about plus the first time we meet her she's telling him that she found out what happened through work because one of his co-workers wives called her to let her know what was happening and it, it's almost like you are ruining my image because now that mm. wife knows yeah i uh, 
you can imagine this wife giving him a hug, right? You know, oh, you had a bad day. Here's, you know, have a hug. Like, oh, the, th- the first thing she does when he gets in is, oh, you're having a drink, are you? You're going to get plastered <laughs> and sing old, sto- sing old uh, college songs, are you? You know, she's right in his face immediately. Um, yeah. And you see her picture on his desk, and it's like this full glamour shot. Oh, it's a headshot. <laughs> yeah, it's like a headshot almost. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. hard to miss. It, I think it, that was kind of also a, a crucial setup to yeah. what he's married to. He's it, married to the trophy wife. It actually, it's it, just there for the image. Yeah, it made me laugh because I almost thought that it was a fake. Like they were going to reveal that he's not married, and this was like a fake. Because it looked like a, like a, those like stock images you get in the photo frame mm-hmm. when you buy one. <laughs> yeah. He just had that on his desk. Actually, he's got a dark <laughs> sense of humor as well because as he's walking in, because like, he storms out of the meeting after he yells at the boss. And as he's going into his office, his secretary is like, "Oh, hey, can you okay get you anything? You know, coffee or whatever." And he's like, "Yeah, you can get me one thing actually. Can you can you get me a sharp razor and a chart showing all of the vital uh, uh, vessels in the in the human body?" And I guess that's our first clue, huh? Yeah, his first clue <laughs> that he's in a really dark place. But of course, it's this weird thing almost because it's an episode of a TV show in the sixties. They can't actually get too overt with it too early. They they can't just have him be like. Like, because I feel like if you did this now, unless you want it to be a twist, I feel like you'd have someone who's a bit more broody and a bit more dark and it'd feel more depressing from the get-go. But it's almost like because it has to kind of adhere to what TV is supposed to be in 1960, is that it kind of automatically gives it this shield of, like, like, oh, we have to have it appear a bit lighter and a bit more TV-friendly. And because of that, Mm -hmm. it almost hits harder when the darker elements come in. You know, when I realised, hey, that story's just about suicide and this man being stressed out of his head and having a midlife crisis, like... Yeah. You know, it's actually a really sad story. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But when you think about some of the suicides that happen that are really public, I mean, a lot of them come from people with personalities that you don't expect. I mean, Robin Williams was a really tough one when that happened. Because nobody, he's just so bubbly. He has this outer personality that you don't see what's on the inside. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying this is And I think he's uh... constantly trying to struggle with keeping his image Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not disputing that this isn't uh, a valid representation of what mm-hmm. some people are like. I'm just saying that I expect a director now to not do it this way. Uh, sure. When they're but making I it, I think this episode holds up because yeah, of no, it does. That. It does. It's, it's, it's a very strong little story, um, and it, you know it's very simple. You know, because this idyllic world that he creates, this town Willoughby, it's in the past where things were simpler. There were no advertising agencies. There were no. A theme we've seen many times in yes. the show so far, in its first thirty episodes of season one. There was no, because uh, was his wife's like a member of like a charter club, uh, you know, that she goes to all the time. Like there was none of that. It was, I mean, maybe there was in some rudimentary way, but certainly most people never encountered them. You know, maybe the the the, the richest people in the world maybe had access to yeah. something like that. But he's know. he's dreaming about the world that he re- read about probably as a kid, although I don't know when. Mark Twain wrote uh, Huckleberry Finn, but um, mm. but he's dreaming about that world, you know, a, a world. Well, think about it. It's nineteen simpler. It's nineteen sixty. He's maybe about what forty or mid forties, something like that. Yeah. So he he grew up maybe in the the twenties and early thirties with his childhood, like you know, at that time, what were a lot of the stories about? Probably westerns and probably things about mm-hmm. the dawn of the new new world and all, all the rest of sure. it. Sure. Or just even hearing from his, you know, his elders of his own family yeah, saying that yeah. this is, you know, times were simpler back then. And everybody has nostalgia for earlier times. Yeah, yeah. He probably had grandparents who would tell him about this era. Yeah, so 
it, it lines up. But you know, it is this simple world where things don't have, you know, uh, quotas and like yeah like add slots to fill <laughs> i can't help but think that things have gotten so much worse <laughs> since then i mean there are a lot of things that are better of course like medicine and but at least trying to keep up with society is is hard yeah i mean and, and we do have high suicide rates you know now yeah, there's all these expectations on people. There's all these. Th- it's this weird thing though, where it, it does come in both sides because there's a lot of better things as well. Like, for example, just look at uh, this is a TV show. Look at how many more voices and you know how diverse voices are in TV and media now compared to oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, of, I'm not saying that we yeah. haven't progressed at all in other areas, but just this theme of um, just. Uh, I don't want to say capitalism because I'm not anti-capitalism, but like just trying to... Yeah, Big to... Lady T likes the, the G's. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You're okay. trying to make a serious point and I'm making a silly joke. Go on. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's tough. Like, it's just, you know, you know, a time like in what we see in the Twilight Zone era somebody who worked as like a grocer probably had his own house and <laughs> supported his family of five, oh, sure, you know, yeah. and now anybody who's a grocer, like can't afford rent. The world, and maybe it's coming from a personal place. Yeah. But... The, the world from a financial place. We're both millennials. We're both living in the world. that has been left behind by the baby boomers and it's not easy. I, yeah. Just tell me you're not dreaming of a place called Willoughby. <laughs> no. Good. Good. Of course not. I'll, I'll, I'll try and make this world a place worth staying in, Tara, for you. <laughs> All right, help help me fix the environment, okay? Okay. Wait, did I just agree to give up dairy? Damn it. I think so. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> you trickster! And also, I mean, obviously, we're cracking a lot of jokes. Uh, if you if you are someone who's ever thought about suicide or you're thinking about suicide now, seek help. Talk to people. Mm-hmm. Use helplines. Uh, you know, whatever. It's a very serious thing. It's very easy to just crack jokes about it when you're not someone who has never felt that way uh, or just isn't someone who generally suffers de- from depression. Because um, I'll, I'll be honest here, I'll, I'll be sort of personal honest here, as someone who's always been a very... <sighs> What's the word for myself? Um, I've, I've never been someone who really gets depressed. As I'll, I have a lot of reasons to be depressed. Like There's several <laughs> things I can list that should make me a, a whimpering depressed person. I should be, but I'm not. And I've just, I've got a really, I don't know, strong-willed personality, I guess, despite all the shit I have to put up with. <laughs> and uh, and, I'm all, and I'm only half joking that that shit is, is Ginger named Connor. But, like, <laughs> but you know, like, there's a lot of reasons why someone on paper should say, this guy should be pretty depressed. And I'm not. And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe I'm just lucky that I have a very kind of, like, level-headed way of thinking about things and I just don't let it get to me. But... Some people do. It is something that I've never been able to necessarily understand in the way that I would like, but by mm-hmm. all means, don't do anything drastic. Get help. Um, yeah. Helplines are available to you. Talk, talk to friends, talk to family, and if the other people who are making your life miserable, then use a helpline, talk to a stranger, talk to someone else, because someone will be nicer. Because some people's families suck. They do. Some people's families are mm-hmm. awful. Um, it's nice if you get a, a great one, but if you don't, then go somewhere else. Someone will care. Yep. I got really serious for a second, but I felt, I felt we were no, joking I, too much. I'm so I... all for, like, reach out to a helpline. They are 
they are good people who work there yes and, and they will help you i i respect them i also don't envy them i can't imagine having to talk to someone in that situation i don't think i'd be good at it i'm far too uh I, my, my sense of humor is just not right for it is, is, is what i'm saying <laughs> I don't know if people who make those phone calls have much of a sense of humor at the moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly, which is why I don't do that job. I respect the people who do, they should do it, I shouldn't. Um, I'm, I'm here to be somewhat entertaining, maybe a little bit uh, insightful at times, and that's mm -hmm. why I do silly YouTube and podcast things. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe you've helped some people and you don't even know. Maybe I have. I mean, I gave you a purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These Twilight Zone reviews just keep me going. <laughs> I can't drive off the road. I have to review Twilight Zone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh dear. And hopefully we've made some people laugh. Um, yeah, hopefully. Yes. No, no. Great episode. It's a great, great episode. episode. It's it's an episode where you know there's lots of little things in the performance. I, I want to talk about the breakdown scene because we kind of mentioned it in passing. We didn't really sort of dig into it, but. He's on like one phone. Why he even has two phones in his office? Is like it never, it's never brought up why or like anything. He just does. And maybe he's like Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> maybe that was a line to Batman. <laughs> we'll know if there's only one button. Yeah. Uh, so you know he's on one phone. He's like, oh, hold on a second. Then he answers the other phone. He's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, the advertiser said what? Oh, but that's the slot they wanted. Then he's like, oh, hold on a second. And he phones. He tells the other people, he's like, oh, something wrong with the reels? Oh, I'll talk to the, the secretary. He mentions to like, hey, Mister So and So wants to see. He's like, and he's like, you, 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 that, what's interesting is that you don't hear the audio from the phones until the moment towards the end where it really starts to get to him, where he's holding both of them in his hands, and it just starts to like build up and build up. And the secretary's been so rude. He's clearly on a phone call. Why would you keep yelling at him? He's on he's on two phone calls. He needs to replace her. <laughs> first of all, first thing this man should do is fire this woman. <laughs> or at least or have her take one of the phones. <laughs> yeah, take <it's>, notes. <laughs> your job is to answer phones. Take this phone call. <laughs> yeah, why is she not answering the phone? I like, why, well, I like to think it's it's from the perspective of him who's just so overwhelmed that even oh, if yeah, things aren't uh, going on at the same time, he can only... It's just pressure on top of pressure, and he interprets it that way. Kind of like... um, um, Gosh, I keep forgetting the name of the episode with uh, Burgess Meredith in it. <laughs> time enough at last. Time enough at last. I should really get my brain checked. <laughs> <laughs> The old noodle's not working so well anymore. But... <laughs> Why is that a anyway. saying? Why is that a noodle? Um, I don't know. Something my parents say. Sure, if I said it's more of a meatloaf <laughs> if we compare it to a food thing, but sure, whatever. Okay, so it looks kind of spiral, spirally, right? I guess. I can't yeah. say that word. Spirally. Spirally? Is that even a word? Edit this out to make me sound better. <laughs> okay. I do that all the time. I never edit things out to make you sound silly. I promise I've never done that. <laughs> anyway yeah i don't know um but it kind of reminds me of that where things were a little bit exaggerated in order to you know make the allegory work better mm. yeah um because i was going to complain actually see the first time he goes to willoughby and the conductor in the past you know because he's asking all these questions like, no it's not it's, it's july it's summer it's 1888 and i was going to complain that the way he says the year was really weird like if he'd actually traveled in time 
Like, why would he just say the year like that? That's really weird. But in the context of it being a made-up place in his head, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> well, plus when he leaves, everybody knows who he is. Exactly, yeah. It's welcoming. Like, it's it's clearly not a real place. Cause it, yeah, because he makes the choice. He gets off, and there's these two kids walking past past with, like, old-school, like, fish, like, just sticks that are fishing poles. Like, they're not, yeah, like... They look like Tom Sawyer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's like, hey, that's, those are big fish. And like, yeah, real good ones. Tomorrow I may join you. Um, also a different type of If a random man said I may join you to a couple of kids in 2019, there would be police sirens following uh, within about 10 minutes. <laughs> Stranger yep. danger. A simpler time. Simpler time. Uh, I mean, the sad truth is, I mean, it probably happened. Just no one knew about it because there was no media. Uh, yeah. People don't talk about it. That's a dark truth. It's a dark truth. And hell, we, we still talk about people not reporting assaults in the first place. Never mind kids who go through something. I mean... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's got really dark again. There's a lot of dark things in this episode, but... Uh, it's a dark so, episode. It's a dark review. Yeah. Once he gets off, once he gets off the train and he's there and he's all happy and the music's playing because every time he goes there, does this almost? It almost sounds like it's going to go into. Uh, dun, 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 yeah, they play like old bluegrass music. What's that? What's that really American song, hon? <laughs> it's something they always play at like uh, Star Spangled Banner. No, no, no. The Civil War things are like old timey war things. Or the glory of the something something. Oh, okay. Oh, the glory of the There you go, I got it. I finally got, got it. it. Um, that thing. It almost like it was going to go into that, but, the, but after the first couple of notes, it kind of went somewhere else. But it almost sounded to me yeah. like it was going to go into that. It's like old bluegrassy church music. Yeah. And it just cuts back to like in the snow that like the conductor's like with a, he's got like a flashlight. He's like, yeah, he just jumped off the train and he's just lying there in the snow. And he's like, and we find out that Willoughby's actually the name of the funeral like parlor that's like a, like just in this area. And I thought mm-hmm. I didn't really need that because to me, like I just thought it was like a play on his name, like it was like made for him. But fair enough, like yeah, um, he picked. I death. never made the connection to William and Willoughby, but I mean, I, I guess it's there. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, not intentional. I think it's intentional, like his place, you know, his perfect mm-hmm. place. Um, so yeah, his heaven. His heaven, his his delusional wonderland that he will now spend eternity in, assuming it still exists once he's dead, which I assume it does. Um, but yeah, and teeny- this is all part of like some big ploy to get like for Willoughby to get more business. <laughs> they implant memories into the heads of people so they commit suicide, and then all of a sudden Willoughby gets all the money. You just turned this into a super sci-fi story, but also tied it into the capitalism that is. This would uh... be the yeah the new Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- this whole episode will be the first five minutes of the new Twilight Zone, and then there'll be a whole plot about how they yeah they're implanting memories into people, and yeah, no, yeah you're right. Will these actually aliens? And uh... yeah, the conductor's <laughs> it's actually also a mass... about immigration. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, yes, it's uh, an episode about mental health and uh, a midlife crisis and all those things, and it does that pretty well. So, mm. yeah, he's just looking for he's looking for a lifeline, and he tries to get it from his wife multiple times, and he just doesn't, and it's kind of sad. Uh, and it's a hard watch, but it makes, that's what makes it a good story. It makes it a good episode. So, yeah. hey, Great episode. Know, 
there's been a few things recently. You know, we had an episode with like uh, black lead characters, which is kind of normal for the time period. We had the episode, uh, you know, where he goes to like what seemed like heaven, turned out to be hell. Um, and that had a lot of sexual kind of, you know, there was a lot of just inferred things. Yeah, that was it. That was a, a weirdly yeah, erotic episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then this one was a really dark topic for the time. And I feel like it's almost like there's a series of episodes here towards the end of season one where they're kind of pushing boundaries a little bit. Like, they oh. are, yeah. They're really taking chances. So and I, I like seeing that. Uh, I like noticing it. So uh, the episode, at the end of the episode, of course, he tells us about next time, uh, which is going to be episode 31. And it is called The Chaser. And once again, he's in a set. Although this time he has a Dutch angle. It's like a Dutch angle in a library. I noticed. It was like Jonathan Frakes directed this. (laughs) I had to bring Jonathan Frakes into the conversation, didn't we? He's always on my mind, so... (sighs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Anyway, so The Chaser... um, Honestly, the way Serling described it, it sounded like someone buys a roofie. Because <laughs> he's going to Riffy's girlfriend. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Here's a description IMDb. Make, make clear up first. A young man obsessed this is a with date rape episode. <laughs> I wonder if it has that attitude though. Is it going to have the attitude that what he does is wrong, or is it going to feel really dated because it's like? I mean, that could be cool to see. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. I don't remember anything about this episode. Uh, yeah, are we going to come out of next week's episode going? Uh, it was it was okay Ooh. with the date rape part, but it was you know, but the, they the rest... pushed the boundary, but uh, yeah. they didn't. Or is it going really. to be like, no? It was actually saying something positive about the subject, and you know, ahead of its time. I mean, Sterling's pretty progressive, and I think uh, the uh, way he to be fair. Pretty good. Yeah. To be fair, so far there's not really been any troubling messages, right? Like I don't, I don't remember any that have been. No, I think we talked recently about how he might even be like a, a feminist in a way, yeah. you know, and the way he writes, the female characters anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the description on IMDb. A young man obsessed with winning over an uninterested beauty gets more than he bargained for when he buys a love potion to gain her affection. I feel positive mm. about this. I feel like the, the lesson here is mm-hmm. going to be that. If you, if it's Maybe not... he spills it on like a homeless man or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it's going to be a lot like the episode of the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where one Xander Harris convinces Amy, in fact blackmails Amy, into doing a love spell for Cordelia because he's just been dumped on Valentine's Day, and it backfires when every woman in Sunnydale except Cordelia becomes in love with him and become eventually an angry mob. I feel like it's going to have a similar lesson to that. Sorry. <laughs> and that's also an episode of Rick and Morty. Except everyone turns into monsters at the end. Very like inspired by monsters. Buffy. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Buffy inspired many a many a writer and so forth. Yeah, I'm sure that's where it came from. <laughs> it did. How dare you? <laughs> like I will not have any ill will towards the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer on these shows. Thank you very much. Okay. Not into it. You don't have to. Not be. into magic and vampires. I'm not into magic, but I'm into, I'm into good There's writing. There's witches in it. I'm into good characters. <laughs> I'm into strong storytelling. The writing transcends the premise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I was, I was going to say, I feel good about this. I feel like the, the, the point of this episode is going to say that, hey, maybe trying to trick the woman into loving you is a bad idea. I feel like that's where it's going, but... You know, yeah. Regardless yeah. of how it does this it. This definitely be a be careful what you wish for episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. No shortcuts. I love that. I feel I feel like um, the dark twist of this episode in the modern day would be he sells him a love potion, but then we just fi- we find out it's Rohypnol. Like, it, it just is the, it's just the drug. It's just, it, that's all it is. 
Yeah, I, I feel like that's what you do. It's a sort of satirical sure. take yeah. on the love potion plot, but she's still in love with me. She passed out. <sighs> that's got really dark. <laughs> um, yes. So dark episode, dark review. Yeah, but I feel like promise. us us going to Rehypnol jokes definitely was not, you know, implied by the episode. Although it was implied by the ending with by the you know the next time on, I suppose. But there you go. That has been Twilight Zone episode 20... Sorry. Episode 30. <laughs> I do apologize. Oh, it's hard to accept you're in your 30s. That's all I'm saying. All right. Episode 30. Um, we will be back next time with episode 31, The Chaser. Let us know what you thought of this one in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. And you can, of course, uh, uh, get us on the on the Twitters at mail underscore fudge for channel updates. And, of course, you can support us in other ways, Tara, can't they? How can they support us financially? Why, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. You can donate as little as a dollar per month, and that gets you access to bonus episodes of shows that we do on the channel, such as the Ace, the Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is our science fiction movie show. Uh, we just added Leviathan. That's our newest <laughs> one. Bonus episode. You can check out the alien ripoff <laughs> underwater. Excuse me. Alien and the thing ripoff underwater. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but uh, find out what we think. Can Peter Weller save that film? Uh, I thought you were going to say me. I thought, I thought you were going to say, can, well, Peter, and then you're going to say something about me. But you sort of hesitated before Weller. All right. Yes. <laughs> can Robocop save the movie? Yes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Luckily, he has Winston from Ghostbusters to help, so he's not completely alone. So, hey, yeah. uh, I, just, you know, I just realized this episode is, is actually my age. Like, episode 30. It's my age. <laughs> Congratulations. That, that used to not be a big deal. But, you know, when every, ep- every season went to 22, there was, you know, for, for a long time it was like, no, I, that's, no, this is a rare occasion. Yeah. I used to work at um, GameStop for a few years, and they were celebrating the 30th anniversary of Mario on, like, the same weekend that was my birthday, <laughs> and I had turned 30. Just, like, all this, like, 30 stuff everywhere. Like, okay, we can stop rubbing it in, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, that's the same for me for Ethan that came out in '89. Like you know, everyone's like, "Oh, the 30th anniversary of Batman by Tim." I'm like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear about it." <laughs> that's right. That's right. Forgot about that. Oh come on! All yeah. right. Um, oh, you, come you back just, next week. You did just inadvertently tell them what, what episode number we should be saying your age in a few weeks' time. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> We've given them enough hints. <laughs> yeah okay okay that has been the, the review thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching tv guys in the twilight zone